Um, today I just wanted to share briefly out of um, one of my favourite parts of the Gospels, which is um, some stories in Luke 15, and I just want to speak out of the parable of the lost sheep. It's one of the most well-known, as well as the prodigal son of Jesus' stories. And um, if you just want to turn in your Bibles now to uh, the start of uh, Luke 15, verse 1 through to end of 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, or lawyers, grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told him this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls to give his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice for me, for I have found my lost sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I um, preached on the parable of the lost sheep one time at another church, um, not here in Palmerston North, and uh, I spoke, as a lot of people do out of this parable, about the intelligence of sheep, um, that they're not very intelligent, and you know, sort of thing, and uh, at the end of the sermon, this um, train spotter guy uh, accosted me at the back, and he said, he, he took great offense at that, because he said that sheep are very intelligent. He, he said he'd done lots of research, he'd been, like, he'd been working at something, I think he might have worked at Massey or something, but he, he started quoting all these, like, research articles and all these things, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I guess, about sheep, yes, and, and if, you, if you love sheep, if you think they're really intelligent, uh, power to you, you know, um, they probably, uh, but I think, I think they're probably not the most intelligent animal, and we're definitely, as humans, are much more intelligent than them. I remember as a child, uh, my grandparents had a, um, a sheep and beef farm, and uh, I used to go stay there in the holidays, and I, I still remember when I would be sitting on the back of the uh, four, uh, the, the motorbike the, or, or in the ute, and you'd be like, you know, with the dogs, like driving um, these sheep into a paddock, you know, through some gate, and it seemed like every time that you were trying to get all these sheep through this that there'd be like one sheep that would have this different idea. Has anyone experienced this and watched this? Like that, the rest of the crew are just going boom, boom, boom through this gate, and then one of them's like, yeah, I'm going to do something different. And it just turns about face and goes like completely different direction, like bolts way over there. And then, you know, like my uncle's like yelling at his dogs and, you know, and these dogs would chase after this sheep that's trying to go in some completely different direction. Well, that's, I mean, that's the nature of sheep, is that they, they are prone to wander. And in New Zealand, we are able to control our sheep because we had them in paddocks, and we have farmers and utes and motorbikes and dogs and all these sort of things. But if you were to let them just do their thing, if you were to let them to just wander, they would wander everywhere and they would get lost. 
And in this passage, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and it's really interesting to see who's listening into him. It says that tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. It's something I love about Jesus is that he draws people in. People are crowding around him to hear what he wants to say to them. And I've been really enjoying that new Chosen TV series. Anyone else enjoying it? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And the thing that really just keeps hitting home to me as I'm watching that series is that Jesus is not repelled by people. He loves people. So he's got all these different people in this society back then, all the ones that would have been shunned and that people say stay away from, and he's going after them. He's talking to them. He's inviting them and he's healing them. And in this, in, this, in this image here, we see that the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near. They're crowding around Jesus. They want to be near this man. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what God is like. If we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. It says in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, he is the very imprint. He is the very image of God, of the invisible God. He shows us what God is like, and God is good. And there's, of course, this says there's other group of people that are there who are grumbling away in the background. You can just sort of imagine them just out of the scene, just sort of muttering away. It says they're grumbling. That's the Pharisees and the scribes, the, the lawyers. And they're grumbling, and they say, this man, talking about Jesus, he receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus has been called, in, in other parts of the gospel, a friend of sinners. He's been called many things a glutton and a drunkard because he has food, because he drinks, he, he does community, he's with lots of different people. And these people, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious elite, the people who think they've got it all together, they are looking down on Jesus because of the, who he's talking to, who he's associating with, who he's having a meal with. And Jesus responds with a parable, and a parable was a story, it was a metaphor, it was a way of showing what the kingdom of God is like. And the metaphor that he uses is one about a story about a lost sheep. Of course, in the story, the shepherd is Jesus. He represents Jesus, and the sheep are us. And in the story, we, we hear about that the shepherd has a hundred sheep, and one of those sheep go missing. And of course, Jesus talking to this group of people, he's saying, look, if you were to lose one of your sheep, wouldn't you go after that sheep? Wouldn't you search for that sheep and find where it's gone? The people listening to him would have understood this. They had an agricultural society. They knew that if you were a shepherd and you had sheep, um, like often they didn't even have this many, often they just had like maybe 15 or 20 that would they'd live, that'd be their livelihood for their family. They would know that if you lost a sheep, that, that you, you, know, you could be economically ruined, that there was no welfare system, there was no backups in the society. You, your livelihood depended on what you could do in the sense of like what work that you could do, what um, livestock that you had. And so the, the people listening to us totally understand that this sheep, Shepherd needs to go after the sheep for his, for his livelihood and for his family. 
And so we read that this shepherd searches for this sheep. And it says that he finds this sheep. And then it says something really awesome. He says he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Or in some versions of your Bible, it might say joyfully. And you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like with God, like with my walk with the Lord, I feel like sometimes like, like Jesus is kind of like, here we go again, Nick. <laughs> I'm here again. Oh, I've got I've to help you out again. You're, you're in a mess again. Like, oh, here we go. Like, we have this feeling like we can exhaust the grace of God experience that like you feel like you know God I guess we kind of get that God's good and we get that God can save us but then I think we struggle to believe that God would joyfully continually do that like I think we forget that 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 he rejoices as he comes to save us he rejoices as he comes to pull us out of every situation that we're in in life and so sometimes I think we feel like, oh man, oh, I've really stuffed up this time. I'm really in a mess. I've stuffed everything up. How could God save me? How could he? He must be sick of me. He must be sick of me and all the things that I've done. Like, how could he be here to rescue me or save me again for the umpteenth time? But we read there that, that the shepherd representing Jesus joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders. I found this really cool when I was researching for this, that some of the oldest pictures and murals that they've found in the Roman Empire of Christianity, the three oldest pictures are pictures of this image of Jesus the shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders. Like the early church loved that image. They loved that concept that God is a God who rescues and saves his people. He is a good shepherd that comes after his people. And then it says that he takes this sheep back home. And when he gets home into the town, the village that he was from, the shepherd, he calls his friends, he calls his neighbors, and says, look, we're going to have a party. We're going to put on the the barbecue, maybe not put lamb on, maybe a few beef sausages or something, a bit of vegan, I don't know. But we're going to have a barbecue because we're going to have a party because this lost sheep has come home. And Jesus says this is the same image of the community of heaven when, when Jesus rescues us, when Jesus comes after us and brings us home, that there is rejoicing in heaven when we are saved. There is rejoicing in heaven when we come home. There's not like, oh, oh, heck, he's back again. No, it's like, woo, he's back. He's back. Party time. We're going to rejoice over this lost person. He is home. I, I know, I, you know, I've had an experience in my life where um, I've, I've lost um, someone, and that, and that was my brother, and I understand what it is to rejoice in those circumstances. I have an autistic brother. He's um, about 18 months younger than me. Now, there's a lot of different sort of variations of autism. Um, you can get some people who are very high-functioning, um, very intelligent people. Um, but my, Gre- my brother, Greg, he's, he's basically like a, a three-year-old in a 39-year-old's body. He cannot fend for himself, he has to, he's in full-time care, 
He has to be looked after all the time. And when he lived with my family, we lived in a place called Wainuamara in, in Wellington. My dad was the Baptist minister down there. Thanks, Mel. Um, and we lived in this property that backed onto the bush. And it was really cool as a kid because um, I was about nine or ten at the time. And this is well before Wi-Fi and Netflix. So I had my imagination running wild and I was able to go into all the bush and, you know, we created a swing and there was all sorts of great sort of bush games you could sort of play out there. And anyway, my brother used to like wandering around the back of the section. He would just, he normally wouldn't leave too far. He'd just be just sort of around the back of the section wandering around. Well, one day I went out the back and he wasn't there. And I sort of popped my head down. There was like a little track behind our house. And I, I, I called out his name and I looked for him and I couldn't find him. And so I rushed back and I spoke to my mum and I said, I, I said, Greg's lost. He's, he's, I, I know, I think he's gone into the bush somewhere. And what happened then was just panic set in. And we, if you've ever experienced this, maybe one of your kids going missing at the shops or, or a family member, you, you freak out. You, every scenario starts going through your head. And so we, you know, eventually the police are called and like the search and rescue team are all there in our, in our lounge. And, and, and my, my dad was the Baptist minister there in Wainuamata. So um, the, the whole church is kind of called. So this is before Facebook. So I must have, must have involved my mum just picking up the landline and going through that church directory. Uh, yep, Greg's lost. Can you pray? Thanks. Number two, Greg's lost. Can you pray? You know, like it must have involved you just put a message on Facebook, eh? Like, please pray, this is what's happening, you know, and everyone just mucking with the prayer. Um, but back then, that's, you had to do things like that. So the, the church prayed, and there were people came around, and everyone was trying to look for him. Well, anyway, it, it, this had sort of happened about late in the afternoon, and it was actually getting dark. And so, it was, you know, we were starting to freak out, really, because you're sort of like, you know, an eight-year-old out in the bush, normal circumstances would be freaky enough. Here's an autistic boy in the bush. It's dark. It was winter. It was going to get cold. You know, we were really worried about his well-being. Like, was he going to survive? Would someone find him? And so the police started searching for him, and they were out there calling out his name and, and trying to, you know, how they do. They sort of have a territory that they kind of cover trying to find, and then they took that territory off, and then they go through another territory. Well, anyway, there was a family in our church who lived a street over, and they kind of sort of backed onto where this bush area was as well. And they went out, and um, I don't think they were meant to, because you know the police say they don't want too many people searching, because otherwise you get other people lost. But anyway, they went ahead and did some searching anyway, because <laughs> they were quite like a, um, the guy in this family was like a real bushman. He was a hunter. He was a tramper. He was, you know, one of these sort of good, keen man sort of thing. So he goes out and searches for Greg, and this family, they're out there searching for him, and they're calling out his name, and they're going, Gregory, 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 sort of thing like this. And the lady heard a, a boy um, saying, she heard a voice, and it sounded like a boy, and, and what she heard was, Gregory, Gregory, Gregory. See, my brother's autistic, so he can't say, I'm over here, <laughs> here I am. So he just said his name, Gregory, he's just parroting what he's hearing, <laughs> Gregory, 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 sort of thing. And so this lady's like, oh, he must be over there somewhere. And so this, um, what happened was that the, this guy, um, her son, started searching for him and calling out his name, and eventually she found my brother, 
and he was stuck in this like really nasty bracken bush and he was like so he couldn't get out and that's why he got you know I guess got himself quite lost and and so he had to sort of pull him out of this bracken bush and he was covered from head to toe with scratches and this guy um, was beautiful he, he, he got my brother thankfully he was eight years old at the time <laughs> He got him to hop on his back as, like, you know, give a piggyback and take him out of the bush. Now, my brother now is like 120 kilos or something like that. So, thankfully, back then, he was, uh, you know, not so big. So, he carries my brother out of the bush and um, this family return um, my brother to our house. And I still remember today that sense of relief, that sense of, like, joy at seeing my brother, who I thought was going to die, was there in my lounge. And the funny thing is, because he's autistic, there was no debrief with him, like, how are you or how you feel. He just had a meat pie, something to drink, and then ran off to bed. And he never spoke about it ever again. Like, whether he was traumatized or not, I don't know. But he just, he just went straight to his room and then just rested. I say all that to say that I think that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. That's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. You know, we, are, we might be like Greg, stuck in those situations out in the bush somewhere, stuck in a bracken bush, and we're in a situation where we can't save ourselves. This is what the gospel is about. We can't save ourselves. We're lost. We need a savior. And Jesus is calling out our name. We don't need to say our own name back to Jesus, but <laughs> Nurk, Nurk, whatever works, Jesus is calling your name and you need to respond. You need to say, here, I'm here. And it's not because Jesus doesn't know where you are. He's just looking for your response. You know, in the, in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned and God says, where are you? He's not saying it because God doesn't know where they are. He's God. He knows where they are. He's saying it because of relationship. He's like, where are you? What's going on with you? What's happening with you? I, I, I want to be with you. He's a relational God. And when Jesus in that situation is calling out to us, he's saying, where are you? What's going on with you? I'm here to save you. Respond to me. Respond to my grace. I will save you. And I don't know what it is that you might feel or what bracken bush that you might be stuck in this morning. Maybe it's, maybe it's the bracken bush of, of addictions and struggles, of sin. Maybe you just feel so lost, so stuck in a moment that you just you think, how am I going to get out of this? I can't get out of this situation. It's so painful. It's so tough. I can't see a way out of this situation. I need help. Whatever it is, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or you've been a Christian all your life or you don't even know Jesus, Jesus is coming for you. He's searching for you. I love in this, in this passage how it says that he says that he will go after the one that is lost until he finds it. God will not stop pursuing you your whole life. Like I said earlier, he doesn't get sick of you. He doesn't run out of grace for you. He is filled with more grace, more love for your situation, for your brokenness, for whatever is going on with you, even if, you're in, even if you don't believe him. <laughs> even if you're struggling with doubts, 
He has grace. He has mercy. He has love for every single situation that humanity can provide. Why don't we stand? Is it right if I get uh, Jeremy and Tui to just, just come and play? If you don't mind, could we do goodness of God? Yeah, thank you. There's another aspect of that story which I think we sometimes fail to grasp in our, in our Western um, sort of mindset, we often look at the individual in there, and it, it is, I mean, it's part of it, it's a beautiful part of it, that God goes after the individual, that God goes after people. Um, but the thing that I think we sometimes miss in there is that was part of community, it was part of a hundred sheep, and it went missing, it, it wandered, it strayed, it got lost. And what does Jesus do? He goes and gets that sheep, that individual sheep that's lost, that's stuck, puts it on his shoulders, and he brings that sheep back into community. Back with the other 99 sheep. Back with the neighbors and friends, the community of heaven that's rejoicing over that. You know, when it says that he, over a sinner that repents, I think sometimes we think repenting sounds like a really horrible word. It just means to change your mind. It just means to t you're going in one direction with your life, and then you change direction in another way. You, you, you completely change your life. You repent. You go back home. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus coming to find us in our situations and bringing us back home. And you know what, guys? This is home. Church is home. We play a role in that. Yeah, Jesus is pursuing and searching for people, but he needs his body. He needs his church to help him find people and to, and to bring them into community. And that's why next term we're going to be starting groups because, you know, stuff happens in life. We have things going on in our lives that people do, often don't know about. It seems like, you know, sometimes you talk to people and you just say, I'm good, I'm good. Are you really good? <laughs> What's really going on in your life? What's really happening in your soul, in your spirit? What's going on for you? And when you're in relationship, when you're in a community of believers that love God, that want to be His hands and feet, that provides an opportunity for someone to be vulnerable. That provides an opportunity for someone to say, man, I'm struggling. Man, I feel lost. I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with doubts. I'm struggling with fears. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. I feel like I can't get out of bed in the morning. Like, I've, I've lost my hope. And we get to that, that beautiful thing where we partner with God and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We pray for people. We encourage them. We walk alongside them as Jesus brings them home. As Jesus brings them home, and we know that there is this rejoicing in heaven as they come, as they come home. So as we worship today, why don't we, I just think we need to respond in some way to God's grace. I'd encourage you as we worship to just thank the Lord for his grace. Thank him that he saved you. 
whatever your situation was, whatever was going on with you, he saved you, he came after you, he pursued you, he didn't let you go, and he's still pursuing you. He won't let you go. All your life, he will be faithful and good to you. His goodness is coming after you every day. And why don't we also, as well as praying for ourselves, why don't we think about our friends and our families, the people we know in our church community and the people who are in our circles, who we know are struggling, who we know are going through things. Whether they're Christians or not, it doesn't matter. God loves them and he wants to pursue them and he wants to bring them into community. So why don't we lift them up in in our worship and our prayer? When we put that on our hearts this week, thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, we we worship you. We thank you, Lord, that your grace and your mercy and your love can never be exhausted. That you never grow tired of us. You never exhaust from our, our life and what we're doing, Lord. You love us all the more. You pour out your grace and mercy into every situation. And you do it joyfully, Lord. You do it joyfully, Lord. That you love to do these things. That this is your heart. That you are gentle and compassionate. This is your very heart, Lord, towards us. This is your goodness. 